Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greener Alton Church. My name's Tim. This is Caitlin, and uh, we're still in this sermon series on going viral. We're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I got to thinking about something. I was thinking to myself, what is the purpose of fruit? I mean, really, what is the purpose of, of uh, fruit in general? Well, I, I got to thinking, and this is what I realized. It's not produced to be admired. It's not produced to be put on display. Uh, when I, uh, growing up uh, in a rural community, we had a fair, a county fair, and there was this place called a floral house, and it was all of the, the fruits and vegetables and stuff from all the different farmers, and it was on display, and it had ribbons on it. And um, God is not, not interested in just displaying his fruit in our life or to be admired. No, he produces fruit, much like same reason that fruit is produced in general, to be eaten, to be enjoyed. See, right now, people are starving for love and joy and peace. Right now, they're hungry for the produce of the Holy Spirit. And where, how, did that, how does it get delivered? How is it spread to everybody? It's spread through you. It's spread through believers. See, you don't, and by the way, you don't bear... God's fruit in your life just for your consumption. No, it's for others so they can be fed. It's so that the seed deep inside of, of the fruit of the spirit that you and I carry can grow in the hearts of others as God uses us to plant it, plant it. Now listen, listen very closely here. The finest fruit grows under the best environment. You know, and the best conditions for God's fruit to grow in your life and in my life come from the climate of commitment. Let me show you what I'm talking about here in Galatians 5. This has been our chief text uh, in this series. Notice what it says. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he'll produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness. That's what I want to talk about today is God uh, growing gentleness. I want to talk about the strength of gentleness. You see, when I make a conscious decision to surrender to God, when I make a commitment to God, he promises to produce his character, his fruit in my life, in your life. And one of those things that he does, one of the things he produces is gentleness. Now, what is gentleness? A lot of people have all kinds of definitions of gentleness. Some have said it's, it's power or authority that is under control. For example, a wild horse can be broken, but that horse is still as strong as ever. But because it's broken, because it's under control, it can use that strength now in a powerful way. Aristotle defines gentleness as a man who is angry at the right time and never at the wrong time. I'll say to my grandchildren occasionally, especially the youngest ones, be gentle as they're petting the cat. Be gentle. Be careful. Be gentle. And, and you say, well, why would you say that? Well, what I'm doing is I'm encouraging them to be tender. That's another word for gentle. Tenderness. And see, otherwise... They're going to grab that cat by the tail and sling it around, and that's not going to end well. You see, look at the Bible says here in Philippians 4. 
Let everyone see your gentleness. God wants his gentleness spread. He wants everyone in the world to see gentleness. And look here in Proverbs 15, 4. It says, gentle words are a tree of life. Interesting. He uses that phrase, a tree of life. I think about a tree of life. I think about one in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And from, and from that tree, Adam and Eve would eat its fruit and they would live by it. So what God is saying, you know, uh, gentle words, when you're gentle and you use gentle words, it's like a fruit tree that's, that people can enjoy and be nourished by. Now, what I want to do now is we want to spend a little time talking about four steps to growing gentleness in, in your life. Now, before we do that, I, I got to be honest with you. When I read lists of things, and here we have the fruit of the spirit listed, um, I don't know which one particular fruit just leaps out at you, which particular item you go, oh boy, you know, love, is it love, is it joy, is it peace? Maybe in this sermon series you go, man, that lesson on goodness, you know, that's the one for me. I got to be honest with you, of all the items listed here in Galatians 5, the one that I look at in my life and go, oh boy, I really need, I want God to produce it, I need God to produce it is gentleness. I don't think I'm a very gentle person. I mean, I'm not saying there's times I'm not gentle. I I just, generally speaking, I can be harsh. I can be tough. I can be mean-spirited. I can be short-fused. And uh, I really want to tell you, I'm talking out of weakness here today. And I hope that, uh, that you're going to learn what I learned about gentleness as I studied this word out in passages in the Bible. I was encouraged by the Lord um, and I really want God to develop it in my life, and I hope he's developing it in yours as well. So here are four steps to growing more gentleness in my life. Step number one, trust in the power of gentleness. Trust in the strength of gentleness. And I don't know about you, but most people underestimate the strength in gentleness. You see, I tend to trust my might over the might of meekness. Uh, I want to force things if I can't, if I get frustrated. Um, it's a difference, you know, it's a, lot, a lot of mechanics or you, maybe you know somebody, you've done this before, you're trying to get a bolt lined up, fellas, and it just doesn't quite line up, so what do you do? Instead of trying to get the holes all just right, you go grab a hammer and you just start bang. And what does it do? It strips the threads and makes it very difficult for a nut to, to, to take hold. I tend to do that as well. Uh, we underestimate gentleness we see meekness which is another word for gentleness as a weakness like it has no courage and no strength and it's simply not true there is nothing that shows your courage and strength more than your gentleness let me read some words from mr rogers look what he says here most of us i believe admire strength it's something we tend to respect in others desire for ourselves and wish for our children Sometimes, though, I wonder if we confuse strength with other words, like aggression and even violence. Real strength is neither male nor female, but is quite simply one of the finest characteristics any human being can possess. He's saying you can be strong, but it doesn't mean you have to be violent or aggressive. You don't have to force things. And gentleness takes a lot of strength a lot of self-control. 
And there, listen, there's nothing strong about a person who flies off the handle. In fact, it displays a profound weakness, not strength at all. Proverbs 15.1 says this, Respond gently when you're confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Responding with sharp cutting words will only make it worse. You know, gentleness, you see, is a real strength because it remains constant and clear-minded across all manners of situations. Gentleness has the power to persuade and influence. Look at, look at this passage in Proverbs 25. Gentle speech is very powerful. One translation says it this way, it can break a bone. I mean, it can break your arm? Is that what he said? Yeah, it's that powerful. What gives gentleness such power? Well, first of all, it's from God. It's one of his virtues. It's one of the marks of his character. And any time I incorporate God's character in my life, it's going to empower me. Uh, I have a, a, a thing I ran across. Um, it's about um, this idea of gentleness and how strong it can be. And um, let me read it to you. It says here, um, we hear too many stories of law enforcement officers being anything but gentle. But one of them, a Los Angeles County deputy sheriff named Elton Simmons, is the very model of gentleness. Complaints are frequently filed against officers. Yet Simmons, after 20 years on the job and after having made over 20 5,000 traffic stops and writing thousands of citations has never received a complaint. When his supervisor, Captain Pat Maxwell, reviewed his personal file, he was stunned that while it was packed with commendations, it contained not one single complaint. Now, this was so shocking that a CBS News crew followed Simmons around on patrol trying to figure out and trying to learn his little secret. They noticed his pitch-perfect mix between authority and diplomacy. Without a trace of roughness, arrogance, or self-righteousness, Simmons handed out a standard number of tickets, but he never threw his weight around. Listen to this. He never threw his weight around or made much of his being in a position of power. He always treated people with kind and courteous gentleness. Here's how Simmons described his approach to the reporters. You see, I'm, he, he takes his hand, he goes, I'm here with you, not above you. See, one thing I hate is to be looked down on. I can't stand it, so I'm not gonna look down on you. That humble and respectful gentleness, that commitment to treat others as he himself would like to be treated has disfused many a tense situation and often called out of otherwise hostile people a reciprocal courtesy and gentleness. Listen to this. This is what this says here. Simmons is a powerful person under control. He radiates a formidable but gentle strength that's positively that positively impacts his interactions and makes him a force of good. You want to be a force of good? Choose to be gentle. Ex accept and believe and trust in the power of gentleness. That's the first thing. Number two, I choose to, res to respond instead of react. Oh boy, 
You know, how many times have you reacted and didn't respond and it just messed everything up? Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 14, 17. An impulsive person has a short fuse and can ruin everything. But the wise show self-control. I notice a couple of things here. First of all, I notice that uh, I'm given a choice. I can choose to react or respond. Nobody really holds a gun to your head. You might have somebody say, you, you might say this, well, that person makes me, you make me do this. They don't make you do it. Nobody makes you do anything until you give them permission. You're the final call on that. No, I could choose to react or respond. And another thing I notice is reaction doesn't work. It doesn't work well at all. Reaction can ruin everything. Can you think of times when your reaction ruined a moment with your children or with your spouse or an opportunity at work because you just weren't gentle? You didn't respond, but reacted. Why is that? Why does reaction not work? Well, one of the primary reasons reaction doesn't work is because it's it's choosing my agenda, not God's. Responding chooses God's agenda, what God wants. It's believing, responding is believing that God is going to work, that I don't have to do as much work to make something happen, that God, I'm confident God is going to work on that person's heart. See, responding does the opposite. Look what it says here in Proverbs 15, 4. Gentle words cause life and health. Look at that. The opposite, what's, what's reaction do? What's harshness do? What's rudeness and crudeness do? Well, it doesn't produce much life or health, does it? No, it makes things worse. It ruins everything. Yet when I respond, I can, I can be sure that I can be a catalyst that causes life and health. Something positive can take place. I got to thinking, what's the difference between reacting and responding? It's summed up in one word, delay. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 29, verse 11. Fools give vent to all their anger, but a wise person biding their time control it. Now, what's that mean? Well, the message says this. Here's how the message paraphrase says it. He quietly mulls it over in his mind. Now, the Hebrew actual Hebrew language here in the Old Testament, it literally means this. It means to to stop and collect your thoughts. Tim, are you saying it means to count to ten? Well, you could say that. It, what it means is I choose to take a moment to think. And that, see that, when I take a delay, when I don't react and fly off the handle, when I can just take a moment, take a breath, what is it somebody say? Take a deep cleansing breath or a count to 10, whatever it be. Don't just focus on the numbers, count to 10. No, use that time, that delay to create some space between what has happened to me and how I respond to it. It's critical. Think how many marriages would improve if we would just think. I read this one time before we speak. I read this one time and, and uh, I was working as a tool and die maker and somebody, I figured it was a disgruntled employee taking a jab at the leadership, at the boss. It was a sticker sitting on the wall and it said these words, engage your mind before you put your mouth in gear. Nah, true, huh? Think about it. If we would just engage our mind, think before we spoke. Last James say, be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry. If I could just take a moment and delay my reaction, it'll turn into a response, a much better response. I got to thinking, what do I do? And when I do this, I ask myself, and I do ask myself some of these questions. For example, I'll ask myself, why am I getting worked up? Why am I getting mad? Why am I getting upset? What's really at the core of this? And then another good question I ask myself is, what does God want? I know what I want. What does God want? Are they different? And then maybe I might ask myself, what what could be the consequences of my reaction? What could be the consequences if I would just simmer down, calm down a little bit, and respond? And I'll tell you what, I want you to know, I have never regretted delaying. Someone says, well, is it a sin to hesitate? Maybe in some cases, yeah. But when it comes to reacting and responding to people that hurt us or disappoint us or trying to help us, it's gold. It creates such a positive thing, such a wonderful, sweet tasting fruit in a relationship. Here's number three. God produces gentleness in me. Uh, one of the ways I, uh, well, things I can do is I empathize with others. Another word for gentleness, I just looked this morning and did a quick look again, is tenderness. Tenderness. Hmm. And I want you to see, look how tender God is in the following passages. And look at the secret behind gentleness, how he's able to be so tender. Now, these are passages from Isaiah. He was called the Messianic prophet, which he's talking about Jesus, talking about how Jesus was going to be uh, 750 years before Jesus walked the earth. And look what the Bible says. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. <laughs> Jesus one time said, I'm the good shepherd. He tends his flock like a shepherd. In other words, he doesn't tend the flock like a butcher. There's a big difference. Huh? Big difference between a shepherd and a butcher. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to him. He sees this young lamb, his wobbly knees and legs and kind of quivering. And he can't quite keep up with everybody. He picks him up and carries him for a while. He gently leads those who have young. My brother and I grew up on a pig farm. And I know some of you go, oh, what's the story going to be this time? Well, we used to have an annual hog drive, maybe twice a year. Every spring, the sows and the little pigs, the newborns, we would drive them to the other side of the farm. It was about a football field length away to the other pen. We'd do the opposite in the winter. We'd drive them all back for the winter. And it was always a chore. I don't know how to explain it. It was just awful. It would, it, pigs would be running everywhere. Dad would, we'd have sticks or, or uh, whips, uh, pig shockers. Getting this, these pigs to move. And it seemed like it just made it worse. They just scatter. You know, and we're thinking, what is wrong? What are we doing wrong? And one day, Dad said, you know what? We're going to try something else, guys. What are we going to do? Well, let's let the pigs walk at their pace. When they come out, because, you know, they've been inside all winter. And here they come out and they see this Kentucky bluegrass. And when a pig sees a beautiful lawn, they've just got to root it up and tear it up. And they're eating the grass and they're looking at us like, we know we're expecting the whip. But there's no whip, and they're like, hmm, this is different. You know, pigs aren't stupid, you know. And so all of a sudden, we notice that the pigs start moving. They knew where to go, and by themselves, they work their way to the other side of the 
farm where the other pen is, it actually took less time than trying to force them. That's the power of gentleness here. And I just noticed my dad, he uh, said, Tim, Tim, you were empathetic with pigs? Yeah. We, we thought, what's it like for them? Why don't we try something else? And it actually worked better when we were gentle. Jesus was a shepherd, not a butcher. He didn't force people. He led people, knew them by name. If you know someone by name, you also know them well. He knew, knows his sheep. He says that. I'm a good, I know my sheep and the shepherd know, and sheep know me. And if you want to be gentle, the reason he's so gentle, Jesus talks about being gentle. You know, the Bible only talks about two people that were gentle, Moses and Jesus. And the reason Jesus had a reputation for being gentle, because he was so understanding and he empathized, he felt for other people. Look at the, look here, Isaiah 42, verse 2, look what it says about him. He will be gentle, the Bible says. He won't yell and shout and raise his voice and shout in the streets. He won't be such a loud guy. He'll live out loud, but he'll be under this surface of quiet gentleness and calmness. I just know, how many times you read about Jesus, he walks into a room and it's chaotic. And he just brings this sense of calm. I mean, even the wind and the waves calm down and become gentle around Jesus. That's because he's gentle. Look what it says here in Isaiah 42. A bruised reed he won't break. Back in Bible times, you know, they had these cattails or reeds. We see cattails around Illinois and growing up in ponds. They, you could take a reed and you could, they could be strong enough. You could lean up against them or you could use it to put a sponge on the end and lift it up to someone dying on the cross. But a bruised reed you couldn't use. They were useless. Some people would make baskets or even boats out of these things. But if it was bruised, they would just snap it and toss it aside. Not Jesus. When he saw a bruised reed, he wouldn't break it. A smoldering wick, he won't snuff out. When he saw a person like that had bruises and bruised up and banged up a little bit, he still used them. And a smoldering wick, you ever had a candle that the flame gets close to the melted wax and it begins to smolder a little bit and it's filled with smoke. And what generally people would do is they just go lick their fingers, put it out. Jesus says he wouldn't do that. Like a smoldering wick, a person could be struggling. He sees it and it is, it, everybody sees it. Jesus doesn't give up on this person. What makes Jesus so gentle? I think it's because he's aware of the condition of the people and the situations around him. He's so in tune. And if I want to be a gentle person, I've got to learn to be observant. I've got to keep my eye. Gentleness starts with the eyes and the ears. Look what it says in Titus 3 here. Be gentle and truly courteous to all. He says, I want you to be gentle and be courteous. What's courteous mean? To be mindful. To be understanding. See, gentleness is being mindful. It's being aware and alert. I'm the kind of guy, when I figure out how something works, I'm able to, I adjust my approach. I begin to begin to do it, you know, in accordance with what I, what's in front of me. I adapt. And see, gentleness is understanding the conditions of others. Let me describe, let me give it to you this way. I got two guys here. Both have sharp instruments in their hand. One is hacking away 
the other one's very careful. One's a butcher, one's a doctor. Why is one hacking away and the other one's very careful? Both are aware of what they're working on. Both are aware of the condition and what's at stake. You see, gentleness looks not first at myself. If I want to be gentle, I can't look at myself first. I have to look at what others, where others are, what's going on with other people, then look at myself to figure out what I need to adjust to bring out the best. Look at the Bible says in Philippians, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. You know, a few weeks ago, as I was looking at goodness and patience, I ran across a sermon and this was this guy said, you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. And I've been doing that now in the last couple of weeks. It's really it's life changing when you stop and think about it. And here's what he said. He said, ask yourself a better question. Instead of asking what's wrong with the person. Ask what's happened to the person. Instead of saying, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? What's wrong with my kids? What's wrong with my wife? What's wrong with my husband? What's wrong with my friend? What's wrong with that leader? What's happened to them? It does wonders. I don't know who said it. There's a lot of people who have been given credit for it. But this is what has been said one time. Be gentle for everyone you meet is fighting a difficult battle. And it's this little adjustment I make. When I begin to empathize and sympathize and understand others, this little adjustment will adjust. It adjusts my approach on how I respond to other people. And number four, I commit my life to Jesus Christ. This is a fundamental point, but I got to be honest with you. A lot of the difficulty I have in relationships around here have a direct link with with a, a problem this way. And you think about it. Whenever I have real trouble in my relationships, it's usually because I've had trouble between me and the Lord. Look what the, Jesus said about gentleness here in Matthew 5. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? He's saying gentleness, gentleness is such a good thing and it's a blessing. And like I said before, the quality of fruit that you and I enjoy doesn't happen by accident. It comes from years of dedication to develop the right conditions to produce this good fruit. The soil, cultivation, sunlight, water, weeding, pesticides or whatever, you know, for for bugs. there's, There's such care and focus. I want you to know the fruit of the Spirit does not grow by accident either. No, there are conditions that will affect how much fruit God will produce in your life. I got to thinking, the fruit I have now is coming from the condition of my heart and my relationship with God. And if I want more of it, if I want to yield more of God's fruit and character in my life, I'm going to have to get closer to the Lord. I'm going to have to make sure my commitment is solid because that creates the best climate for his fruit to grow. See, I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants gentleness to live in you. He wants to, you to be blessed 
by the strength of gentleness. He says, and how does he do? He says, here's how you can be blessed by it. In Matthew 11, he says, simply join your life with mine. There's that commitment. In other words, you can't do it by yourself. Join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle. I join my life with his, he's saying. I sink my roots deep into God. And when I do, I learn from him as I follow him. And I learn about gentleness, how gentle he is with me, but how I can be gentle with others. I see how he's gentle with other people and I imitate that and it blesses my life. Let me read a few passages as we close here. Philippians 4 verse 5 says this, Keep your gentle nature so that all people will know what it looks like to walk in his footsteps. See, gentleness is a trait of somebody who is walking with the Lord. It shows that you're serious about walking with the Lord. And then he says, this, he tags us on the end. The Lord is ever present with us because the Lord wants to walk with you. You know, and if you'll walk with him, you'll have, you'll keep the gentle nature. He'll produce it. You'll produce this gentle nature. You know, God will produce it, but you'll be able to keep it in your life. I, I think about people who follow Christ and follow the Lord in the Bible. And they, the, they, they come in contact with his gentleness. They experience his gentleness. They even incorporate his gentleness. Let me give you a couple here. Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And it goes on and says, he leads me to calm waters, to these gentle brooks. He goes, when the Lord is my shepherd. If he's not my shepherd, he's not, he, I'm going to go in another direction, folks. And it's not going to be a life of gentleness. I love Psalms 131 here. Look what the psalmist says. I am humbled and quieted in your presence. Like a contented child who rests on her mother's lap, a gentle mother. I am your resting child and my soul is content. In you. Let me ask you, does this, does this describe you? Quiet, content, calm. I notice gentle people are calm people, are content people. And it's this kind of climate where I'm in the presence of God, where I'm, where I'm by the calmness of God, that gentleness begins to take root and grow. So let me ask you this morning as we close. How gentle would you say you've been? How gentle would you say you are? Who needs your gentleness right now? Let me ask you, what have you been choosing here lately? I've been hearing, I've been hearing reading articles says there's going to be another baby boom because of the coronavirus. But they're also saying that divorce is on the rise because of the coronavirus. Who needs some gentleness in your life right now? Who needs, gentleness is showing the graciousness of God. Who needs God's grace expressed to them through you right now? They're hungry for it. They need it. They need nourished by it. Are you reacting or responding? I want to encourage you this week, when someone serves you, that you don't react with by being demanding, but respond with understanding. If someone disagrees with you this week, choose to be tender without surrender. And if someone disappoints you, choose to be gentle 
and not so judgmental. You'll have a better week. And someone will be nourished by that fruit that God has brought into you. Let me ask you another question. How strong is your relationship with God right now? Like I said earlier, I've learned that my strength to be gentle confirms how strong my relationship is with the Lord. What do you need? What do you need to decide to do this morning? Whatever it is, I pray that it will lead to the fruit of gentleness in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a powerful lesson. Lord, I just, uh, I wish I was more gentle. I was, wish I was more gentle with my wife, some of my employees. Sometimes, Father, I lose my temper. Sometimes I lose my bearings. And Father, sometimes I think I need to force it rather than just lighten up a little and calm down and and bring about some harmonious outcome that way. Father, I pray, we pray that we'll trust in the power of gentleness, Father, that we'll trust in its strength. Father, give us the strength to be gentle people. Father, when it comes to how how we address things, situations and people, help us choose to respond and not react. Help us take some time and delay and, and think before we speak. Father, help us help us be tender. Help us see the condition and the situation, our surroundings more, and not just see it how, how uh, what's happening to us, but see what's happening to other people. Help us ask better questions when we look at others. Questions like, "What has happened to this person?" instead of what is wrong with this person. And Father, I pray most of all, help us as a church, help each of us here listening, watching today. Help us commit our lives, rededicate our lives to you, Father, because without you, we do not have the strength to be gentle. We don't have the power to be gentle on our own. We seek the blessings that gentleness brings. So let us let it live in us. Let it live in us, Father. Help us join our life to you and learn from you and discover the incredible, incredible life of gentleness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.